This week's podcast brought to you by The Henpecker. Sunday night, you were out of town. We were watching Sunday night football, or at least it was on in the background while we played uh, board games and stuff, my 10-year-old and I, our 10-year-old and me. Uh, and uh, during the course of the game, Tampa Bay at L.A., Rob Gronkowski was injured, removed from the game. I don't know the status of that, but um, we continued this. But we moved it upstairs, stage two of bedtime, and then finally... I got our 10-year-old to bed. She was way underslept. She fell asleep fairly quickly. I went to check on her. Uh, see her eyes were closed. I was sneaking away from the, the bunk bed rail that her face was pe- peeking through. I tiptoed to the door. I had just about made it out of that room. Uh, when I got to the threshold of the door, uh, I could see peripherally she popped up, and her voice in the dark said, Is Gronk Okay. <laughs> You called a great game last night in uh, the semifinals of the WNBA, Connecticut hosting Chicago. It went into double overtime. And as people who gamble on sports experience that game in a completely different way than everybody else watching, you know, a meaningless field goal in the course of a game means a lot to somebody who has put their life savings on it. Right. Uh, a double overtime game takes on a different um, tone to our kids. So when I told our son that uh, your game had just gone into overtime, before it had gone into d- double overtime, he said through his bedroom door, so mom's not coming home anytime soon. <laughs> and I said, no, the point is it's an exciting game if you wanted to watch what turned out to be two overtimes. And he was right. It, w- when it takes on the greatest meaning is this coming weekend, Ryan Rucco and I will be in Holly Row. We'll be in Phoenix for game three of the Vegas Phoenix series and we are we are planning to as soon as that game ends get to the airport and we we have no room for arrows error zero or any room for arrows <laughs> or arrows if you're going so to TSA if that game goes into overtime that um we will be hanging out at the airport all day because you either catch like a 3:30 flight or you catch a red eye at 11 p.m. or midnight so um so that's the one that has no room for error. What a great game it was, though, yesterday. Um, double overtime, a ton, a ton of ties and lead changes. Uh, really well played. Chicago shot the ball really well. Connecticut didn't, but they did a lot of other really good things. It was, um, it was a fun game to call, and it's always just a, fu- it's always fun for me when I'm with Ryan and Holly too. Ryan um, is very. Um, conscious of his voice of course he is that's that's how he makes his living is by his voice so he does warm-up exercises before we go on the air including um just making weird sounds that just warm up his voice um he's like traveling with Pavarotti or Mariah Carey or somebody right he gets vocal massages in New York um the same people who give like the uh stars on Broadway or Actors and actresses on Broadway, Broadway vocal massages. Ryan gets those. Um, he takes care of his voice, and one of the things that helps him is he at the beginning of each quarter, someone will bring over a cup of warm water, not hot water, warm water that he sips throughout the quarter. Second quarter comes, they bring the the fresh cup of 
warm water. Well, when they brought it yesterday, I believe at the beginning of the second quarter, and he picked it up, the lid wasn't on tight, and he just spilled it all over himself. <laughs> so I just look at him, and he's all over his suit. He's just got this big water stain. And um, he continues to call the game, but of course he has to bring it up. He's like, you know, been able to continue to call that game. <laughs> I spilled all this water on me. Did he ask for a second one that he could then throw in the face of the, <laughs> right, of the person, person who brought, who brought it? it? No, it wasn't their fault. It was his fault. But uh, but then all of a sudden, you know, I continue to call the game. I look over at him and he's holding a roll of paper towels. Someone brought him. I don't know where you even find a roll of like regular white paper towels. Usually they're like the brown, terrible ones from a bathroom dispenser. A roll of white bounty or whatever paper towels. I just see Ryan's dabbing. Blotting himself? Yes, blotting himself, dab- dabbing at his suit. It was... Um, it was highly entertaining, at least uh, at least for me. So a man in a wetsuit gets to spend, what would you say, an extra half an hour when it goes into double overtime? Five minute overtimes, but uh, oh, yeah, easy. real time. Game started at 8 o'clock local, and it wasn't done before 10.30. And, of course, the other game, there, we were the uh, first game of a doubleheader. The other game was Seattle, I'm sorry, Phoenix at Vegas. And so they started on like ESPNU. So we had to mention a couple times for people who may have been tuning in looking for that game. It's over on ESPNU or the ESPN app. That's you know? that's the ESPN equivalent of what they used to do on network TV. I don't. They may still, but I haven't heard the phrase in a long time. We want to notify our affiliates mm-hmm. that we we may be running over. Yes. So um, he was notifying the WNBA affiliates, um, but. Uh, it was a great game, and um, Connecticut had won 14 in a row, and uh, so that's their first loss since the beginning of July. They will meet again tomorrow, which is today, as you and I uh, are recording this. Thursday. It's, it's tomorrow, yeah, Thursday the 30th, um, and uh, we'll see what happens. Courtney Vandersloot had a triple-double in the game. It's only the second time in the history of the WNBA playoffs that a player has had a triple-double. The other was Cheryl Swoops in 2005 which is uh, pretty remarkable. I think 18 assists, <laughs> which was ridiculous. But um, but it was uh, it was fun. You had you had a little trouble early in the broadcast, and I didn't see the whole, I saw the beginning, I saw the end, I saw some in the middle. I had a lot juggling chainsaws here. But uh, uh, there's there's with the Janu the the Januarys and the Joneses, the Briannas and the Brias. So I mean, Connecticut has. Bree Jones, right? Brianna Jones. Brianna Jones. Yes. And Brianna January. Brian. Brian January. Brianna Jones. Brianna Jones and Brianna January. January. See, even I'm screwing it up right now. Connecticut also has John Quell Jones, but what I think confuses me the most is Brianna Jan- Brianna Jones and Brianna January. Yes. There was also a very famous January Jones, who played Betty Draper on Mad Men, Don Draper's wife. Yeah. You don't find that kind of... Uh, well, no, because my head is also going to the Connecticut Sun have a Jasmine Thomas and an Alyssa Thomas. Right. They have a Jasmine Thomas and a um, and two Joneses. And I remember last year at one point saying Jasmine Jones because there's a Jasmine Jones who plays for the New York Liberty. So sometimes <laughs> it's just total word well, scramble, name scramble right. in Let your me just brain. put it in your head. Well, yes. you're trying to distinguish between the Bree Jones and the Bree January that there's also a January Jones. Okay. Thanks. You added, you're trying to add a who little was, bit. Who was born in January? I don't know. That's her name. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this episode or it was a 
couple episodes of Boston Legal where um, Alan Shore gets word, I think it's, it's called word salad. Right. Um, that's what it's going to be for me. It's going to be name salad. You I may appreciate well just, you adding one may as well just bring, ingredient to the and, mix. And, and on the same note, I was going to say you should just bring a salad shooter with you to the game. But there's also the salad spinner. I believe we have a salad spinner. We do. But there's also a salad shooter. Do you remember the salad shooter? Yes. You, you kind of like loaded up salad ingredients into into a gun, wasn't a firearm? And then yeah, you would shoot salad yeah. in, into a bowl? Yeah. Quintessentially American product? Yes. I don't think it was a gun. It was like a, almost like a, what popcorn makers Cannon? look like, wasn't it? Anyway. Well, anyway. So, uh, n- so, so, but you, you mentioned, you mentioned Boston Legal. Just to, conf- this is setting off an odd train of thought. So, yesterday, last night, I'm sitting in a parking lot waiting for our son to finish soccer. With, it's dark. I don't have a book. Um, I've gotten out of the car to see if he's come up the path yet because other cars are blocking my vision and so the radio is off and I get in the car with not a single solitary thought in my head so what comes into my head does this phrase mean anything to you it means nothing to me it's not a show that I watched it's not a phrase that I've thought of since it was on the air in the early 1980s but all of a sudden the phrase Hardcastle and McCormick popped into my head mean anything to you Hardcastle and McCormick Hardcastle and McCormick like 1984, 85-ish? I mean, it sounds like a buddy cop TV show. It was. But... I don't know if it was a cop. It, it, it starred Brian Keith as a judge or a cop or something. But I haven't thought of it since it was. there were commercials for it. I'm not sure that. I, I don't no think I ever reason, saw an episode of it. While you're sitting in a dark parking lot, that thought popped into what, your what, brain. What, what, what? The weird workings of the brain, yeah. Hardcastle and McCormick. The weird workings of your brain. No, the weird workings of my brain. And, and what, what, makes, what, what else does Hardcastle and McCormick make you think of? Nothing. Two? McCormick and Schmick? McCormick Schmick's? and Schmick. Yes, that's it's exactly sh- what, what is that's- it? McCormick and- Schmick or Schmicks. That's exactly what I thought of. Because it's, it's got McCormick, it's got an ampersand. McCormick and Schmicks, Hardcastle and McCormick's. McCormick and Schmicks is like a chain sort of- uh, upscale seafood place, right? Yes. But I couldn't have told you if, if that was the cop show and the other one was the seafood joint. I just know that those names popped into my head and now they're in yours. Good luck calling tomorrow's game. I was on the West Coast um, a few days ago. I called a game in Seattle on Sunday. And I keep getting reminded that I was on the West Coast because my stupid smartwatch won't come back to east coast time like usually you land i open the app and it syncs up my watch and it goes to local time or even often if i don't open the app my watch goes to the local time well i got back early morning on monday red-eyed home and i can't get my watch back on east coast time and it's a bit frustrating it's a bit frustrating um but Something happened to me on my flight to Seattle that's um, not happened before. I had a layover in Detroit, get on the plane to go from Detroit to Seattle. It's a, it's a pretty late evening flight. I'm in first class. The woman sits down in the window. And as she's sitting there, and I sit down, she starts purring. And I'm, purring. Not, I'm not using the word her to you know over exaggerate something or exaggerate something she was like making a purring sound as she was sitting there 
I can't even, can you make a purring sound? I can't even I like can't. mimic it. Meow? Did you say meow? No, it wasn't a meow. It was like a, <clears throat> like a, I can't even do it, but it was very much the same sound a cat Wait, was makes she, when was it purrs. She coughing up a hairball? No, no. She was just sitting there. She wasn't doing anything that I could see that was odd. She just like, she would sit there for a little bit and then like almost as if she had thought, thought of something, she would purr. <laughs> Are you sure that, that Sam Farmer wasn't sitting across the aisle and she was actually nursing a cat? <laughs> no, it, it wasn't a nursing cat that was purring. It was this woman who was purring. And I think I texted you and just said, this is unbelievable. I'm sitting next to someone who, a woman who is purring. And first of all, when I first got on the plane, there was a group of like- Weirdly, weirdly when, when the flight attendants asked if you want anything, you ordered a, a ginger ale and she ordered a saucer of milk. <laughs> when I first got on the plane- there was like a group of maybe I'd say four or five women who were clearly together. I'd say like middle-aged-ish women around their around fifties, and um and they were laughing and talking a little too loudly. So they had been look looked to me like they had um you know been hanging out at the bar for a little while before the flight takes off. So they sit down. They're not all sitting together clearly because I've got the purr next to me. So there's a little bit of like cross aisle conversation because they're not always all sitting together and then and then and then my seatmate starts purring and I can deal with the purring but the thing that got me is so when you're sitting in first class you know um, you uh, have power outlets so, so there's two power outlets like on in the like the, the seat the, sure. the part of the seat that separates your seat from their seat so first I have my backpack and I go and I want to put my backpack. I've already put my carry, my you know rolly bag up above. I want to put my backpack under the seat in front of me, but I can't because the purrer has not only put one of her bags under the seat in front of her. She's also taken my spot, which even if I didn't have a backpack, I would still want to put my feet there. So she's taken both of those. So my backpack, I just put on the floor. Then I go to, I want to plug in my my device. I don't know if I wanted to charge my phone or charge my iPad or what. She's also taken both uh, outlets. She's sitting there purring, taking up all the storage space. In fairness, she in has nine outlets. lives. <laughs> I was not pleased. But I was also almost too tired um, to say something like... <laughs> Uh, movie bag or you know one of these outlets is mine I just let it go was it Halle Berry in a cat suit by any chance <laughs> it was not it was not the other thing that was happening was this was actually on my return flight on the red eye uh, from Seattle I went back through Detroit can, can I just pause for a second yes could this constitute a Mark Simon branded traveling violation segment 100% Proceed. 100%. The, the purring lady was a, the traveling violation, not not this next passenger. So I'm going down the jetway, and the person two in front of me, so there's like a woman in front of me, and then in front of her, I just see the back of a man um, who has a unicorn hat on. And it, it's a neck pillow with like a, it's a neck pillow with a hood. And it's like bright blue and he's got the hood up and there's a unicorn horn on the top. So I assume it's generally probably sold to children. And then he has a skeleton 
mask on, like, you know, a a COVID mask. But, you know, so can sort of see his eyes underneath his unicorn hood and his skeleton mask. So no idea how old the guy is, because how can you tell, right? He's almost completely covered from the neck up. Get on the plane. And he sits in a window seat. I, I did not have the pleasure of sitting next to him. But as soon as he sits down, the woman who was already seated next to him, to her credit, just looked at him and said, I have to ask, what's up with the hat? <laughs> and he just said, uh, well, it's a neck pillow, too. And it's just comfortable when I fly or something. So um, I took a picture. I'll post it on our, on our Instagram because you really I couldn't get too close. And I was trying to be sly. So you can it's not a great photo, but you get an idea. And um, and then when we landed in you, Detroit, you didn't, you didn't sidle up to the sky and, and whisper. And I'd have forgiven you if you had. Ladies love a man in unicorn. <laughs> no, no. How great would it have been if the unicorn had sat next to the purr? Um but, uh, but I have a feeling that they may have hit it off on the layover wherever you were. Yeah, or maybe they were both, you know, she was going to Seattle. He was coming from Seattle. Maybe there was a convention there that I was unaware of. But when we landed in Detroit, his he had removed his unicorn garb. And um, I was surprised because I would say the guy was in his mid-60s. I thought it was going to be a younger guy being silly. Younger gentleman. I did not expect like a 65 year old dude um, with like gray, what's left of his hair, like gray stubble. It sounds to me like an emotional support unicorn. (laughs) Okay. So those are my, those are my traveling violations. Are you guys serious about this stuff? As a Rebecca Lobo set shot. Glass! By the way, before I forget, while you were telling that story and I was hanging on every word, I was also thinking from the first moments of this podcast, I had this image in my head. You mentioned Ryan Rucco's gets vocal massages. And now I can't get out of my head, though I'm desperately trying to, this image of a bunch of broadcasters in towels in a vocal massage parlor, all simultaneously getting their vocal cords karate chopped by uh, by a vocal masseurs and masseuses i know i i'll have to ask him like what do you get a vocal massage laying down do you get a vocal massage are you seated are you in a towel or a bathrobe or are you just in your like an you know shirt that allows access <laughs> what in god's name i mean would require you to be in a towel and or uh, bathrobe i don't know, I don't know like i don't know if you also <laughs> a towel well maybe you maybe does, it's he, get, part does, of... does he get does he get a, 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 a like a vocal uh uh uh, a mud pack I, where you I pack avocado slices I, and or cucumbers and mud on your on your. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, Adam's is it part apple? of a like? Is it like a normal massage plus a vocal massage, or is it just a vocal massage? I've I've got to get more of the details on this, um, but uh, but I, and I also and he won't mind next time. Um, Isn't when it, we do a game tomorrow? I'm going to try to take video of him doing some of these warm ups. Is wouldn't a vocal massage be internal? Wouldn't it be consist of and like I, sucking I on a lozenge either. or something? No, and I, I a Ricola. I would imagine it's an external because, or else you'd be gagging the whole time. Um, but I truly, I, I, I don't know. I know he gets them, but I don't know. I haven't gotten all the particulars. I don't know if he's if he's gotten one since um, his child was born. She's now just over three weeks old. I don't know if um, if he would say to his wife. 
hey, I'll be gone for a couple hours to go get my vocal massage. Or, or if he would say to his wife, let me take care of our daughter. You go get a vocal massage. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. But um, but I will. I'll, I'll remember tomorrow. I'll get some video of that. I'll post it. I'll post the picture of the guy in the unicorn because it's just too good not to. Just one last thing about the trip to um, Seattle. And it's not the trip, but the game itself. That was a phenomenal game that went into overtime. In a single elimination game, Seattle, Sue Bird, playing against Phoenix, Diana Taurasi. Um, they've had some incredible, epic playoff games over the course of their careers. And incredible uh, teammate hood. Yes, yes. Ten gold medals between them, is that yes. correct? Yes, and, and you know, the, we've been watching them play, whether as teammates or as opponents for the past 20 years since they were at UConn. And, and so this game um, had a lot of meaning because it was a single elimination playoff game, but also you have to now, you know, Sue's going to turn 41 in a couple of weeks. Diana turns 40 next summer. Like, you have to start at least considering the fact that um, – you know, these, one of these or both of these players might be themselves considering retirement. And um, so that was a big kind of focus of the game is, you know, even if they don't retire, even if neither of them retire, the chances of them playing against one another in a playoff game aren't great. I think they had played, um, that was the 14th playoff game in their careers that that they'd matched up with one another. So um I say this to kind of set the stage. You know, we've, we've talked about Holly Rowe on this broadcast or on this uh, podcast, and we've um, had her as a guest a couple of times. Holly on Saturday night um, did a game, a football game at Oklahoma, the Saturday Prime game, and but she did not want to, you know, miss if this was going to be the last time that we saw Sue and Diana playing one another. She didn't want to miss it, so she calls her game in Oklahoma. She drives three or four hours, whatever it was, late that night to Dallas so that the following morning, she, after getting two hours of sleep, she can get on a plane to Seattle. She lands in Seattle, drives immediately to the arena, which is in Everett, Washington, for a noon tip-off. And our producer well, had... He was our, our third attorney general, Everett, Washington. <laughs> I think so. Our producer had asked the PR people for both teams... To Seattle, if you lose, could we still interview Sue? Phoenix, if you lose, could we still interview Diana? And was told, um, no. <laughs> so the game ends in overtime. Seattle loses. You can see Sue is trying to sort of get Diana's attention because I think they had talked before the game that they were going to exchange jerseys after the game. Well, I'm watching this and I see that um, you can see that Sue can't get Diana's attention. So she starts to leave the court. So Holly hustles over and just asks Sue, will you stay out here so I can talk to you and Diana? So, you know, Sue's known Holly forever, likes Holly. So she said yes. And um, we got this incredible interview. It's one of the more incredible post-game interviews I've ever been a part of. Um, you know, as part of my crew, I wasn't a part of the interview. That was all Holly. And um, Holly just, it was this emotional moment. Uh, you know, Holly asked Diana a couple questions and she start, as she's starting to ask Sue a question and nobody in the arena can hear what the interview is. The, all the people in, in the arena start chanting one more year, one more year. Sue gets all teary. Diana actually starts to tear up. And then you just get this wonderful moment in this wonderful, um, this wonderful interview that never would have happened if anybody other than Holly was there. Because first of all, <laughs> they would have cared. 
<laughs> that the, the PR people said no. But um, I don't even think, I don't know that Holly was aware that they had said no. She just knew like this was could be an incredible interview and an incredible moment. And, um, and you know, uh, if you haven't seen it, just, you know, it's it's all over social media. You can go to WNBA social media accounts and find it. I'll, I'll retweet it as well. But it was, it was just this, this great moment. And, um, and I'm glad it was because Holly jumped through so many hoops just to be able to be there. And then, um, and then to make this happen was, uh, was pretty cool. Holly Rose traveling violations have to be, uh, adding up. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, let's get the viewer mail, shall we? Let's get the viewer mail. Big bad look, throw our lure, in with your viewer mail. This has to be a week of viewer mail that you're dreading, Rebecca, because because I'm, I'm not. Last week's episode centered on wet measures and dry measures, a a uh, two different systems of measurement recognized not by the uh, Bureau of Weights and Measures, but but by you and you alone. You claim that there are two different measurements. A cup of wet is different than a cup of dry, and there are two different kind of measuring devices to what measure wet measures I, and dry measures was your, said, was your phrase i believe what i said was there's certainly there's a hundred percent two different kinds of measures there are wet measures and there are dry measures you, that we cannot argue that though there are two separate containers intended to measure each of those things to measure the same volume of material yes, yes. what's the difference please tell me the wet measure is designed to pour stuff. If you look at it, it's meant to pour. It's really hard to say, um, measure a cup of liquid in a dry measure cup. And the dry measure is designed to be snorted? No, and the dry measure is designed designed to to, like scoop it. It's an exact measurement. It's a quarter cup or half cup, whatever. And you can scoop out dry measure or you can pour it. And if you want to be completely accurate, you can take the knife and slide it across the top to get the extra off. And these are two different measurements. I don't, I'm not saying they're two different measurements. I may have said that last week and I may have been wrong, but they definitely are two separate devices well, for separate well, things. When more than, more than one person came up to me this week, and I seldom leave the house, so it's unusual that more than one person does come up to me at any given week and said to me, what is Rebecca talking about? There are not, I didn't know there were different measurements for wet things and dry things. I said to them, there aren't. That's because there aren't. But she will not necessarily concede that point on, ne- on next week's podcast. Well, you know me well. and <laughs> I do know you well. And I, I have, I, if you go in and you put in into your Google wet measure, like the third thing that comes up is versus dry measure. Can I read? Can I read this, or does it just hurt the rest of the viewers' Please, mail? Go ahead. Well, um, let's let, let's let's get into the viewer mail first. Keep okay. that keep that up. Okay? okay. And because because half of the viewer mails are headlined either wet or dry, or uh, a cup is a cup. Okay. Shall okay. we get to the first? Yes. Just in chronological order. Tom writes. This is his his email. It's headed wet versus dry. Boy, did, did this did the dear Stephen Rebecca boy did the discussion get heated on the nine twenty two podcast? Sorry, Rebecca, but I'm sixty four and was unaware of the terms dry measure and wet measure, let alone knew there was a difference. Granted, my kitchen experience is severely limited, but I've been around good cooks: mom, mother in law, wife, daughter, 
all my life and never heard them use those words. Just thought you should know there were others similar there were others similar to your husband, so you should cut him some slack, especially since no one has complained about his gourmet pancakes. Tom still thinking about changing to T H O M in South Dakota. Thank you, Tom slash Thom. Uh, the reason the re, you're suggesting that Rebecca cut me slack. This is this is way down the rabbit hole now because I'm the one who's right. You're not the, right. The, my my argument was, Tom's, and apparently Tom, my argument was Tom, wrong. But my argument was that everybody else had heard of wet and dry measure. Tom, so that future, just shows that I had high expectations for everybody Tom, else. The future. And that's Tom my mistake. Is is right, and I'm right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not boasting that I'm right. It'd be You're like saying. Right. It'd be like there saying are, there are. Wet measure it, and dry measure okay, are okay. two let's, different let's things. Let's not relitigate that. But if I were to have said there were 26 letters in the alphabet and you said, no, there are 29 letters then in, I would in be the wrong. alphabet. No, then I'd be getting mail now saying, I didn't know there were 29 letters in the alphabet. This is how uh, highly esteemed you are among our listeners. They just don't happen to, to, to know what I know, which is you are frequently wrong I and am, seldom I am acknowledge st- it. I am still right here. I may be wrong if I had implied that they were different. That a cup and a and a liquid measure and a cup and a dry okay. measure were not the same. I'll concede the, the, that. The next... However, I will not concede that it is fact that there are there's a well, difference well, of course, between wet. Of course, measure there are wet measures measure. and dry measures. There are wet feet and there are dry feet. <sighs> and the difference is how long you've been out of the let's, bathtub. Okay. <laughs> let's go to the next viewer's mail. Okay. Uh, John in Atlanta writes: wet or dry. Dear Steve and Rebecca, after hearing about Steve's measuring issues, I have to agree with him. I don't know what measuring cup is for wet or dry. Isn't a cup of water the same as a cup of flour? I've used whatever cup we have to bake, and it works just fine. Steve, I'm in your corner on this one. Sorry, Rebecca, but a pound of water is the same as a pound of sugar as I see it. John, it's not as you see it. It is as it is. You know what I'm As it is. You know what I'm noticing about these viewers? You guys now? are great. I love the podcast. You make me laugh as I'm driving. I'm sure the people next to me wonder what I'm laughing out loud at. Keep up the good work and thanks for sharing your lives with your listeners. You make my week special. John, thank you, John. We appreciate that. Just so you know that John is, he comes with love. Oh, I, I have no issues with John. I'm just noticing well, I, a pattern. Well, you have no issues with him. He said nice things to you. No, and, thank you, John. Thank you, John, for your He just for happens to be acknowledging the reality of, of a cup is a cup is a cup. I'm noticing a pattern. Read the next one. Well, the next one is not about wet and dry measures, at least I don't think, because it's headlined, A Podcast Pumpkin. Uh, Steve and Rebecca, of course it is not presumptuous to expect another podcast pumpkin. If DGS can provide an email every week, I should be able to provide a pumpkin once a year. (laughs) The plan for the 2021 pumpkin is a little more ambitious, so I just worry that I won't do it justice. It may even stir some controversy among your loyal listeners. Halloween is just around the corner. George in Columbus. Thank you, George, and thank you uh, in advance should you send a pumpkin. Uh, and and thank you in a, after the fact for not commenting on wet measures versus dry measures, which is uh, causing some internal uh, discomfort here. I'm completely comfortable. Are well, you just dis- No, you no, I'm completely comfortable. Chris in uh, our residence something or other in, in Cheshire, Connecticut, writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, his, his email is headlined, A Cup is a Cup. Mm-hmm. Cups are measured of are measures of volume. A cup in volume is a cup in volume. Steve's assertion that filling the dry measuring cup and emptying its contents into the liquid measuring cup would, in fact, be the same amount. However, one measures fluids versus, say, flour are different. When you need a cup of flour, you take an overflowing cup and level it off with a knife or other. 
Okay, keep, you're, keep going, Chris. Okay, okay. Well, keep you're going. making you're making the uh, the bring uh, it on. Yeah. Motion. Okay. Yes. Yes. When you need a cup of water, you fill until the meniscus hits the appropriate line. The meniscus. I thought that was something that I screwed up in you my knee. Care. Yeah. If you poured a dry even cup of flour into a dry single cup Pyrex, it would fill the same line. But with a two cup Pyrex, you can't level off a cup of just one of one. I don't. Uh, this is garbled here. Luckily, this only matters really in baking where precise measurements are apparently necessary. Steve, have at it with the pancake mix. It doesn't matter. It just matters if you're making them from scratch. Besides, who wants the dirty, another vessel that requires cleaning? Also, I found a helpful site that says most vegetables slash olive oil caps are basically one tablespoon. Look at that, Rebecca, my instincts. And he includes a link, but you'll, you'll, you can take nice. my word for it. So stop. You're both right on these, but always, for the love of all that is good, cut the crusts off after the sandwich is made. Well, so... We're both. Right, I will but, never but, but I'm, on that I'm more one. right. How are you more right? Because I cut the crusts off after the sandwich is made. Oh, that's a whole different argument. Anyway, you're noticing a pattern. What is the pattern that you're noticing? We'll read the next. One. Okay, the next one comes. It's called a cup is a cup. Imagine that. It comes from Ken. We know Ken. Uh, Ken writes, Stephen Rick, I must stand by Steve. Ah, thank you, Ken. With the understanding of the difference between a dry and wet measure, in all my years of watching my mother make pancakes. I like that bit. In all my years, not all my years of not baking, helping, not helping my no. mother or making them, but watching my mother make pancakes. Keep in going. In all Ken. my years of watching my mother make pancakes, in the years that I did in my bachelor days, oh, so he did make them in his bachelor days. Okay. I have never, all caps, ever heard that there was a dry measuring cup and a wet measuring cup. When I went to school, I was taught eight ounces equals a cup, whether it is liquid or dry. So why not pour the pancake mix into a perfectly measured cup? And use the spout to pour it into the mixing bowl. In the end, a cup is a cup, right? That makes sense to me, Ken. Rebecca, what say you? This is what I say. Have I looked at any of these viewers' mail? Did I? I don't. I don't even look in the queue. I, I don't go near the viewers' mail. That's all you. You open it up. You bring up the Gmail account, ballandchainpod at gmail .com, right? Correct. Okay. You haven't noticed a pattern. I, I don't. I don't tend the viewers' mail because it's my life's passion I no, because it's, it's you don't your job yeah. yeah have you noticed a pattern i think you're gonna say the pattern is it's all men claiming that it's all men okay okay it's all men coming but your men, defense but, that they've but, never heard of a wet men, and dry men measure men who to be fair have watched their mothers make pancakes <laughs> right by right. the way steve i like the idea of saving the environment writes ken by using the oil cap as a measuring device so there is no need to wash a teaspoon most pancake chefs like steve don't even need to see the precise measured amount they can simply use their eye to estimate the right amount needed to make the pancakes taste perfectly once again can you have crystallized my thoughts exactly P.S. For the record, I had to Google eight ounces equals a cup. That's the reason I wash the dishes instead of cook for my family. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. And uh, thanks for that uh, bit of self-revelation there. Are there more? Well, Joan. I mean, Joan could be... Uh, I'm sure it's not. Could be Portuguese. <laughs> uh, but but, I'm, but my guess is George uh, Joan. All is right, a, let's hear it, Joan. We, we need because to... Joan, Joan describes herself, signs off as resident casino gal. Okay. All right, Joan. So Joan, assuming Joan, our resident casino gal, is not a man, uh, we say, attached is a little blurb I just saw in this month's Good Housekeeping. I enjoyed your back and forth banter about measuring cups and how there are separate ones for liquids and non-liquids. I never realized it either. Joan, you didn't realize it because it isn't a thing. It is a thing. Anyway, after listening to Rebecca, I thought, uh, I thought to myself, well, yeah, having a spout makes sense. But seriously, it wouldn't have ever occurred to me. I've baked many cakes, brownies, and cookies, and often use my non-liquid cups for oil. As this article states, the measurements are, all caps, the same. So it works either way. 
I agree with Steve 90% of the time, and I don't know what that says about me. Keep up the great entertainment. Still laughing. Your resident casino gal, Joan. Joan, what it says about you uh, is that you, if you agree with me 90% of the time, that means you are, are right about 80% of the time. If I'm right 100% of the time, Rebecca, and she agrees with me 90% of the time, I can't do the math on that, but it means she's right. Joan will come around in my eyes, but right now I'm disappointed in her. Let's go to the next viewer. <laughs> Joan, Joan, you're absolutely right. Um, Rebecca doesn't enjoy being wrong. I That's am not wrong. Let's go to the next viewer mail, shall we? We shall. I've screwed up the viewer mail here so that, that I now have to scroll left to right in addition to up and down. You know how you pinch and zoom? Oh, I've done the yeah. opposite. Okay. Greetings from your Cape Cod correspondent, writes uh, our Cape Cod correspondent, John. I hope you and the family have been able to make a few trips east to the Cape this summer. It's been a busy few months for our extended family, and we've had some wonderful opportunities to enjoy the beach this September. I've attached a couple of photos from the West Falmouth area for your enjoyment, and it looks like a beautiful uh, uh, azure blue sky there, Rebecca. Nice. Um, so, uh, per per uh, usual, a few of your recent podcasts triggered some memories of my own, so in no particular order, I offer the following comments. One, I'm sorry, Rebecca, but I'm on Team Steve regarding the wet-dry measurements in the kitchen. The truth is, a quarter-cup-sized dry measuring device yields the same volume of ingredients as putting a quarter-cup worth in a wet measuring device, such as a glass Pyrex container. Jane, his wife, points out that it's easier to ensure that dry ingredients can be more exact in an individual cup where you can use a knife to slide across the top. But I've always figured that unless you're making something where measurements are critical, say a souffle or meringues. Can I can I exaggerate the French pronunciation yeah, of both please. of those? To, to uh, your heart's content. Uh, if you're close, you're probably okay. Rebecca, have you made a lot of souffles or or meringues? Neither. Have you danced any meringues while you've been making souffles? I've danced meringues. I don't like meringue. While making a croissant. <laughs> you don't like meringue. That's true. I once had to endure a, a harangue about your, uh, a meringue. Uh, harangue from you. I did? Yeah. No, I just wanted to say oh. harangue, harangue. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Let's see. Uh, you're probably okay, particularly if, like Steve, you're making pancakes for the 10th time in the last few weeks. Two, and these are actually bullet points, but I'm enumerating them. Your discussions of the Granby Road Race reminded me of da my days as a runner in the Falmouth Road Race, back before my doctor told me no more running or my ACL surgery would instead become a full knee replacement. I remember when you were running along Surf Drive and the crowd was cheering my every move. Go, Johnny. You're looking great. Keep it up, Johnny. We love you, Johnny. Now, the fact that nobody calls me Johnny didn't really upset me, but then I realized they were cheering for Johnny Kelly, the famous Boston Marathon winner who ran Falmouth every year. All kidding aside, it was a thrill to at least be running near my all-time running hero. By the way, there was also another Johnny Kelly who won Boston Mar the Boston Marathon. I believe he lived somewhere near you in Connecticut. Statue of uh, John Johnny Kelly on the uh, marathon route. Um, third bullet point. Regarding visors, like Steve, I'm follically challenged, so visors don't make any sense for me. Jane, on the other hand, needed a solution for wearing her hair in a ponytail, but she's not a big fan of visors. Her solution was to get a nice sun hat, which had a hole in the top. <laughs> I like it. So that's like a visor that just goes all the way around the head? No, it's just a little hole to pull your ponytail Wasn't the whole through. point of the sun hat to keep the sun off the top of your head? Yes, they're saying there's like a little oh, hole to pull your okay. ponytail through. Did, did, did you notice that the guy in the vi in the unicorn hat had a had a ponytail hole? <laughs> he did not. He nor did he have hair. Uh, our 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 ten year old recently saw somebody, by the way, and said said, uh, "Oh, look at his man pony." 
<laughs> Who said that? Uh, our 10-year-old. <laughs> Not his man bun. Not his, his man, man pony. pony. Yeah, he had a man pony. Finally, Steve's consuming of a second dinner of bangers and mash was similar to my experience while our daughter was home recently. She's from Colorado and tends to rise later than we do. And when she made her egg concoctions at around 10 a.m., I found myself having second breakfast a couple of times. Brings to mind the hobbits, Mary and Pippin, wondering if Aragon knows about second breakfast, Elevens's luncheon, afternoon tea, a dot, dot, dot. Keep up the great podcast work, and we'll look forward to the next week's installment. John, by the way, John's ellipses at the end, uh, I said dot, 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 but he actually has about six or seven dots there. Does it mean something different if you have more I, than no, three? I, I, it may imply a longer trailing off mm. but i think your standard ellipses three of them three dots mm-hmm. right Rebecca? yes and, and yeah. I, I i mean i'm not going to argue because uh, maybe uh, a standard ellipses yeah, is a yeah. different measure than if you're on dry land it's three dots yes if, if you're it's on wet the sea. It's, it's seven dots yeah. yeah so uh ralph in maryland writes hi Restiva. i find it interesting that your children know the difference between wet and dry measures I am aware that there is a difference, but have intuitively used a pints a pound the world around pretty much since I have been on my own. A pints a pound the world around. Mm. Uh, how much milk to put in mashed potatoes, however, always seemed a matter of a sailor's eye rather than, than that strict measurement. A sailor's eye. That's what I have, Rebecca, when I'm making pancakes. A sailor's eye. A sailor's, a sailor's eye. eye, yeah. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. Cake mix, however, is already measured. Merely add a measure of water and an egg. A grade B egg may be used for such a purpose and is therefore edible. I guess Rebecca will be in Seattle for the ABC game. I hope both teams are injury-free. Now, uh, what is a grade B egg? What is a grade grade A egg and grade du- double A? Are they sizes or are they no, somehow they, quality of the egg? I don't know about grade A. Um, I know. And you, you purchased brown eggs, but I grew up on white there's eggs. There's white eggs, there's brown eggs, there's large and extra large Um but I don't know about the grades. I don't know. And we talked about that with meat. I don't know how you what the grades mean there. Uh, dear Rebecca and Steve, greetings from Minglewood Kennels. I hope this, fi- this note finds you and yours well. As my name was oh so briefly mentioned in last week's episode, I wanted to check in and let you know that all is mostly well with your resident pooper scooper. I had hoped to write to the podcast much sooner than my last missive of July 2020. Unfortunately, my personal warranty ran out at 64 years, 10 months, and 20 days, and health issues have become a bit more common. A detached retina and subsequent diagnosis of diabetic and hypertensive retinopathy have curtailed many activities that I've enjoyed in the past, including reading and writing. It seems to me that monthly injections in my eye are a steep price to pay for my reluctance to visit a doctor until it was almost too late. Well, I'm glad it wasn't too late, Michael, and uh, and I'm glad you wrote in to... Uh, to tell us that uh, it sounds like you'll be okay. In other news, our business picked up significantly, writes Michael, as people ventured on vacations and planned road trips, though my vision or lack thereof prevented me from uh, wielding the tools of my trade efficiently, I seem to amass a great deal of good fortune by inadvertently stepping in the very waste that I valiantly <laughs> attempted to remove. <laughs> so I guess that's removing it by uh, the sole of your shoe, Rebecca, yes. a technique that I've used many times in our own front yard. We're sort of starting our own kennel here, aren't we? Sort of, yeah. Uh, I hope that everyone stays healthy and Rebecca's travels are safe and without incident. Good luck to the kids and all their athletic competitions. Faithfully yours, Michael from New Jersey. Thank you so much, Michael, and uh, we wish you all the best in um, with your health. Finally. Uh, before we get... Go is, ahead. Is this going to be Dr. Gary Siegel? It's going to be. All right, before we get there, can I please read this from the Google? Please about do. What's the difference between dry and liquid measures. 
Liquid measuring cups are usually glass or plastic with a handle. They allow you to pour a liquid into the cup and bring it even with a measurement line without spilling. Dry measuring cups, on the other hand, hold the exact amount of an ingredient and should be leveled off with a flat edge. So I will concede that I was wrong when I implied that there are different measures, that a cup of, in a liquid that if you poured it into the dry, it wouldn't be the same. I'll concede I was wrong. But there certainly are measuring cups that are intended to be used for dry goods and measuring cups that are intended to be used for liquids. I'm going to die on that hill. Well, not really, but I am that that's a fact. Let's d- devote an entire podcast maybe next week to dry cleaning versus wet cleaning. It's not the same thing. I mean, it's not the same thing. All right, let's get to Dr. Gary Siegel. Uh, Dr. Siegel writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, it's been a busy and long weekend at work with many deliveries, one set of mixed twins, and lots of outpatient visits and people to see in the ER. Luckily, I was able to get to the podcast today, Monday, as the idle banter about nothing new combined with the extensive amount of viewer mail allowed a short respite from work while I drove to and from, to and fro, to it. And Dr. Siegel has helpfully enumerated his, his uh, observations. Of course here, he has. One, it's always nice to hear from John in, in Atlanta, wherever in Atlanta that he may be. Where do you think John is? In Buckhead, perhaps? Maybe. That's the only, that's the only thing anybody can say when they I when know. They, that's the only part of Atlanta that I, I would be able to say. Uh, Peachtree Street, perhaps? I don't know. Two, uh, Nikki. With two Ks, thanks for making an Excel spreadsheet of the podcast resident experts. Along with you, did you ever post that, Rebecca? No, I will. I will. You, you will, or or, you, or you'll say you will? No, no, both. Okay. Along with you, Steve, I am a techno peasant, and I'm none too handy with a spreadsheet. I'm glad that I'm reasonably skilled in my profession, and that you and Rebecca are very skilled in both of yours. Three, I did not have a chance to watch any of the WNBA playoffs, but luckily at 8 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday and Sunday, I was able to watch the Russian Grand Prix at Sochi. Landon Norris of McLaren, the team that had a shock 1-2 finish at Monza a fortnight ago, put his car on pole but sadly lost the lead at the very end when unexpected light rain made the timing of the switch from dry tires to wet weather tires intermediates critical. His team made the wrong judgment, and thus Lewis Hamilton, who would not have passed him in dry weather, won. Rebecca, your comments on dry tires versus wet wet tires in Formula One. I'm not going to comment on that, but I am going to say this. Dr. Dr. Siegel, what is it going to take for us to get you to watch an entire women's basketball game? I just said yesterday's game that I called double overtime. This past weekend, the game before that went into overtime. Um, fast cars. That's what's going to get. <laughs> That's what it's going to require. It's going to take fast cars. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the relation between the basketball and Formula One auto racing, but he he, he likes the latter. But I, I I just I, I and, it's and, a, it's a sport I so love and am so passionate and, about, and I want to share that. And right. how, how about I'm going to make a deal with Doctor Siegel. Um, the Atlanta Dream have not been particularly good the past couple of years. So I don't know that I'll call a game in Atlanta next year. But if I call a game in Atlanta next year, I'm going to invite Dr. Siegel and and Mrs. Siegel to a game. And at least I can maybe get them to watch the entirety of that game. But I, I, I just don't know what we need to do here to get well, him to watch a game. Dr. Siegel likes uh, extraordinary speed. So he his two loves are Formula One uh, sports that I know of, Formula One. And Atlanta Braves baseball, where where the freeze uh, sprints against the fan along the warning track every game. Mm. I think I think uh, if you if you could get the freeze to a dream game, or possibly uh, bring the players out in a in an F one car, you might have a 
better chance of getting in there. Okay. Four, at the risk of being a podcast resident hog, I would like to offer myself as correspondent for the upcoming U.S. Grand Prix in Austin, Texas. While I'll be attending the race with my son and son-in-law, I certainly could find a few moments to update the pod from the very event. Rebecca, you've, you're developing a uh, hardware that would allow us to, to have somebody phone in from somewhere, right? I, I'm not developing the hardware. I've purchased the hardware. The hardware's already developed. And then, and then yes. You just then bought Denny it off of Amazon gonna, for like nine Denny's bucks. going to plug a couple things in, and yes, then we'll be up and running. Who, who should be our first our first uh, guest on the telephone? I don't know. Can, can I do a, like a Larry King thing with, uh, you know, uh, uh, Overland Park, Kansas? Hello? Do you have a question for Rebecca? Um, probably not. Okay, five. At 11 p.m. last night, Mrs. DGS sent me an email detailing the time, dates, location, and price of the rental home that she and my daughter have found for the entire family beach trip to the Gulf of Mexico. I quote, we have found a home and date that everyone likes, so now time to loop you in. <laughs> See, that is perfect. Perfect. You, you guys don't need any input. Let the people who are good at logistics handle the logistics. And then when they've gotten everything taken care of and you can't get in and say, oh, I don't like this or I don't like that, all taken care of. And it's just she's saying, all right, put it on your calendar. Make sure you're not you're not scheduled to deliver any babies during that week. You know Brilliant. who the doctor and, and Mrs. Dr. Siegel are? Who? They are uh, from John Mellencamp's Pink Houses. They go to work in some high-rise, and vacation down at the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, oh. Mm. Okay. Six. Lastly, I too... I, I love that six is lastly, but there's also a seven and an eight. <laughs> six. Lastly, I too am guilty of using a wet measuring container for dry things, although we do have measuring cups made of plastic that, to me, seem to be able to be used for wet or dry things as they have little spouts. Rebecca, if I measure out a cup of water in a Pyrex measuring cup, then pour the water into the saucepan, and then pour dry oatmeal, half a cup, into the same measuring cup before pouring into the saucepan, am I doing something wrong? No. Okay. Seven, and you'll remember this is the one after the last one. I guess the only thing he's doing wrong is um, taking all the extra time to make his oatmeal in a saucepan when it's so easy in the microwave. Although I have to say, when I when I used to eat oatmeal every morning, I don't anymore, but when I used to, um, I also did like to make it in the saucepan. Seven, Rebecca, the person in the drive-thru was way out of bounds. The woman He's referring to the woman in the vin, mini, minivan ahead of me at the Duncan who took forever. Oh, yes, And yes, then ordered course. extra things. Yeah. I thought he was referring to somebody in a drive-thru that he was in that we didn't know about. <laughs> I could tell with, by the quizzical look on your face you weren't quite putting, um, putting it together. Eight, due to the late hour and my lack of sleep, I'm not proofreading this note. <laughs> I don't, I don't think there was. A, I don't. <laughs> I don't think there was a single, uh, single uh, uh, error of any kind. How great! Like I'm going to start doing that in emails, but I'm going to do it at the top. Dear so and so, I'm not proofreading this email before I send. Just write the email. Boom! Hit send. But uh, this gives me an opportunity to thank Dr. Siegel as as I've been doing meaning to do for the last month or so, because. You brought home a tub of mail from our P.O. box one day, and in it was an envelope with uh, U.S. postage stamps in it, beautiful, gorgeous U.S. postage stamps honoring and featuring Yogi Berra. Mm -hmm. Do you remember this? I do. And was this some kind of U.S. postal promotion where we uh, uh, erroneously, a sheet of stamps fell into our P.O. box from the... Uh, 
from the post office? No, they were a gift from Dr. Gary Siegel, our, our resident uh, fellow baseball fan, to me. How nice was that? Incredibly nice. What I, what I should have done immediately was send him a thank you note say, using a Yogi Berra postage stamp. Please tell me you sent him a thank you note. I didn't and, send him and, a thank you note. And haven't just like been radio silence until this. It's thank been radio you. silence. Oh, that's disappointing. It's, it's terrible. It is. But it's made even worse by the fact that Dr. Siegel enclosed a PS asking if I ever got the postage stamps. Oh, that. Oh, Steve. I know. That's terrible. Have it, you ever sent our terrible. bracket challenge winner their gift? Not a thing. Oh, this is worse. No, they're both terrible. No, no, this is worse. He sent you a, a nice, thoughtful gift. And not only, I mean, not only didn't you send a handwritten note, which it deserved, you didn't even respond in an, with an email to say thank you? I think we've established that, yes. <laughs> Okay, I, I I'm I can't make you feel better on this one. I'm I feel bad, and this it is, wasn't this, even my this fault. This is this is this is the person. Uh, first of all, I'm sincerely grateful and 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 sincerely horrified that I hadn't hadn't thanked him. Um, but but this Rebecca, you're the same person who just acknowledged that in the years that we've been doing this podcast with, I mean, literally thousands of viewer mails at this point, viewers mail. Mm-hmm. You haven't responded to a single one of them. You haven't responded to a single one. I respond to all of them on the air. Oh, so do I. And I send out swag sometimes, on occasion. Sometimes. And and yes, I, I, I've abhorrently neglected Dr. Siegel's postage stamps and our uh, bracket challenge winner. Let me ask you this. Um, the past couple of years when we've gotten the carved pumpkin, mm. have you sent a thank you for that? I I usually uh, inscribe a nice note on a gourd, and uh, and have it heaved into the front yard of the sender. Mm. Uh, Rebecca, I have not. I'm, there's nothing I can say that make, won't make you feel worse. So there's nothing that can be said. I know. I will take this to my grave. You will. I'm, I'm talking about the pumpkin. <laughs> we will rot together. Oh. Uh. Do you note? think you can? You, will that, you try to be better? I'm always trying to be better, Rebecca. As, as but you're uh, not like on in this. As Jack Nicholson case, said to, was it Helen Hunt in that movie? Yes. You make me want to be a better man. I liked that movie. What was it called again? As good as it gets. Yeah. I don't uh, think I ever saw it with Greg Kinnear too. You never saw that? It's a good movie. Who makes you want to be? But. It's not about making, Doctor, wanting to be a better man. Dr. Gary Siegel makes me want to be a better okay. man. Okay, well, then will you be one? Like, as soon as we're done here, will you go upstairs and write him a thank you note? Or will you not? Will you say, you know what, I want to be a better man, but eh, not that much? <laughs> I don't like, even know that I have his mailing address. I bet it was on the envelope. I'm sure it was. Okay. I, too, would like you to be a better man. So can you, when we're done here, please send him a thank you note? First of all, as somebody who receives uh, uh, mail every day from people eager for a response, how often do you respond to your... Always. Always? Just about. Or not always, Rebecca? Almost always. When people send me, 
Well, generally, if we're so getting almost, mail, almost always. Sometimes. Generally, when people send me mail, they want me to sign. It's trading right. cards they want me to sign. I sign them and I send them back. And, and I think we've just established that I've almost always responded as well. You've never. <laughs> never what? Responded. This is unbelievable. I know, but it, truly, it is unbelievable. I mean, I always feel a little worse when we finish the podcast, but today but, I feel but, exceptionally But worse. you don't. But you, you might feel a little bit bad, but it's not enough to, um, to cause action. So it's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. I'm an, I'm an, and then I become the hound or the, uh, the henpecker or whatever it's called when I say, did you send the thank you note to Dr. Siegel yet, Steve? Like you're my 12-year-old. The henpecker. Isn't that what's it called? Yes. <laughs> I don't want to be the henpecker, but I also want to be married to a man who sends thank you notes when they're warranted. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you realize we're still recording this? I know. Okay. All, All right. right. Sorry note, for that uncomfortable. I wanted, to, I wanted to end on the note of of, uh, of taking the rotting pumpkin with me. <laughs> okay. On that note, thank you, Dr. Siegel. And thank you for, on behalf of Steve, thank you for, uh, Dr. Siegel, the, I can't, for the I can't, postage stamps. Dr. Siegel, and, I, I can't thank you enough, but, but apparently I haven't thanked you nearly <laughs> enough. You actually, what you can't do is thank him less. That's what's impossible. I'm sorry, did I say I can't thank you enough? Dr. Siegel, I can't thank you. You can't possibly thank you any less than he already has. Woo! On that note, Denny, Tom, Dick, Harry, Hari, play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.